This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. For decades, David Smale has covered sports in Kansas City. And the opportunity to watch this Kansas City Chiefs team win a Super Bowl was the cherry on top of his career covering his favorite football team. And in September, a new book that every Chiefs fan has to get, The Keys to the Kingdom, comes out. It's an illustrated timeline of the Kansas City Chiefs from the day they became the Dallas Texans to the day that Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl some 50 years after Super Bowl IV. Well, it's amazing when the, uh, the the hometown team wins a championship. You get a lot of fans that really didn't know that the team existed pre, you know, 2015 if you're a Royals fan, pre-2019, 2020 if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And, and going through your book, David, you know, it really was awesome to see some of the great historical stuff that this franchise has really been a part of. And when you're telling the story of the Kansas City Chiefs and the keys to the kingdom, your your book that's coming out a little bit later on this year, what do you think is the most significant story that needs to be told for fans and for folks who may not be familiar with the history of the Kansas City Chiefs? That's a great question, Bob. And there's there's obviously a lot in there. And as you said, the Chiefs history goes way, way back. Uh, but I, I think maybe in light of what's going on in our country right now, maybe the most significant story is the impact that Lamar Hunt had on really integrating professional football. It was obviously there were there were pro football players who were African Americans, but when the AFL started and, and the Chiefs certainly were the leaders of that, they went after the historically black colleges and university players much more than the NFL did. The NFL might have picked a few of the of the very very best, but the AFL did a lot more than that. And you look at back back at some of the Chiefs who who made an impact. Um, in, you know, during the AFL, Willie Lanier, uh, Buck Buchanan, guys like that, Jim Marcellus, uh, that played at those HBCUs, if it wasn't for Lamar Hunt, we might not have seen players of that caliber for another 10, 20 years. Because this was in the pretty tumultuous 1960s that they were doing this. Why do you think that story isn't told more? Like, like, why isn't that story celebrated more by the NFL and, you know, by the organization of what Lamar Hunt really meant to, to, to football and to the growth of football and especially with the historically black colleges and universities? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I've actually uh, tried to get hold of Clark Hunt to propose doing a book just on his dad in that, in that light. Uh, certainly it would be something that's very pertinent now, uh, especially as a very successful white businessman to take that risk. That's something that he could have, he had a lot to lose by doing that. 
not only not only his place with professional football, uh, but you know he had a lot of holdings and and a lot of business interests outside of football, and it was risky. You know, yeah. we, we talk about how risky it is to go counterculture right now. It's it's a lot. It was a lot riskier uh, 50, 60 years ago. And and Lamar was able to do it and, and did it in a way where his team had success. I mean, you know, for, for the last couple of months or so, we've we've talked to a lot of those guys from the, the, the you know, the 50th anniversary Super Bowl team. And, and you start to talk to all of them and you realize, man, that was a team that was set up to be a dynasty and then just absolutely fizzled after that longest game ever. What, yeah. what do you think happened went there with, with that? And, and why didn't that group of players, which has like 80 million Hall of Famers in it, why, why did they only win that one Super Bowl? What do you think went wrong? You know, I, I think it's maybe, – maybe there's a similarity to the 2015 Royals in that they all aged at the same time. Now, in the case of the Royals, they all aged to free agency, and so the Royals couldn't keep them. I think with the Chiefs uh, in 71, you know, Dawson was mid-30s, and, and some of those other guys that were – you know, Bobby Bell and, and Buck Buchanan that were drafted at the same time were about 30, and so a lot of those players – were reaching um, the, not the end of their careers, but past their prime all at the same time. You think about like the 1963 draft, which actually happened in December of 62, but we always credit the, the, the next spring. Um, they got uh, Buck Buchanan, Bobby Bell, Gerald Wilson, and uh, Jim Tyre, I think was the fourth one, who, who's a Chiefs Hall of Famer in that draft. But those guys are all getting older. And so I think maybe that has something to do with it. Um, other than that, man, if I knew, I'd be a GM. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think also, too, what, what really is significant about this team is that when they moved to Kansas City, the, the NFL wasn't what it was today. I think for, for a lot of folks, you, you roll out of bed and you think, well, the NFL has always been the biggest thing since sliced bread. It really yeah. wasn't that they went, when, when they moved here to Kansas City. And, you know, everybody says, oh, Lamar took a chance on Kansas City. But Kansas City took a chance on Lamar, too, and anteing up and getting behind this franchise when they first yes. started to arrive here. Absolutely. The, um, my father-in-law tells me the story. Uh, I remember the Chiefs coming here, but I remember it as a five-year-old. I remember my dad being excited that, you know, we had professional football in town. So my recollections of some of the early years are just childish enthusiasm. But my father-in-law, who is now 85, remembers a lot more about the deal. And he remembers specifics. Things like the Milgram's grocery stores, I don't even think exist anymore, um, sold tickets for the home games for a dollar a piece and just to get people in the stands because the, one of the ways that the city convinced Lamar to choose, uh, to choose Kansas City over the other options at that time was, was attendance. And they promised, you know, 25,000 people where they were getting 2,500 in Dallas. And so they had to live up to that. And and so they you know, they did anything and everything to get people in the seats. You know, you have an opportunity and had an opportunity to do something really unique, and that's look at your favorite franchise from the the day they started to the day they won the Super Bowl. I mean, that's kind of the the, the realm of this book that you have out. Yeah. Is is there a story that you went through and you're like, wow, this was such an amazing story? I wish we could have told the story longer. We could have told the story earlier in time. Like, what was what was kind of your your like awakening moment? You mean the whole book or a particular, no, particular just, just a particular story in the book? Yeah. 
How much time you got? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are so many. I, I, I've actually been able to reconnect with a couple of old players that I knew in, in some cases didn't know, but admire early on. But like um, I, I became friends um, long after he retired with Curtis McClinton and I've uh, reconnected with him. Uh, he actually gave me some pictures that, that uh, were used in the book. Um, my, I tell people my first favorite chief was Chris Burford, who was a wide receiver out of Stanford. He was actually the club's first draft pick uh, in 1960, was an All-American. Um, I, my very first Chiefs jersey was in 88, and that was long before Tony Gonzalez was even born, um, you know, before Morris Stroud was here. And I just always liked 88. Well, Chris Burford was the reason. And I read an article recently that Vahe Gregorian did in the start that talks about what a it's an overused word, but what a hero Chris Burford was to his teammates because, um, you know, when, when they were in Dallas in, in early 1960s, they had to, the black players had to eat at different restaurants and, and stay in different hotels. And Burford, who is white, would lead the, lead the charge saying, no, you guys are my teammates. If you're not welcome there, I'm not going there. And he went out of his way to make those black players feel like they were a part of things. And I think that's one of the reasons the Chiefs were able to outbid some NFL teams because of the culture of the team led by people like Chris Burford. I never knew that before doing this particular uh, book. And then, of course, the timing with Vahe's article made it even better. So reliving some of that, reliving uh, some of my own memories. I, I did this whole book. Uh, in two weeks, and I did it mostly from <laughs> from memory, and and then I used the internet obviously to to back up stats and time on the clock and scores and things like that. But um, just to like I wrote the story about the Chiefs Huddle Club. I was a part of the Chiefs Huddle Club in 1968. Um, people who are paying lots and lots of money, taking a second mortgage on their house to get season tickle season tickets. I joined the Huddle Club in 1968 for $5 and I got a, a windbreaker and a picture of Curtis McClinton, Lynn Dawson and Tori Southwick, who was a kid's daytime. Um, they, they would do cartoons, but they had an in-studio thing and Tori was a big, a big deal here. So I had those three pictures, this windbreaker and a ticket to every home game. So 10 home games, uh, and excuse me, eight, because this was in the 14 game season. So eight home games, and all this other stuff for five bucks. I got in for 50 cents. And so I told this story about the Huddle Club, and I remember my 10th birthday, uh, we were playing the Hated Raiders, and Nolan Smith, who was known as Super Nat because he was tiny and just tremendously quick, uh, took a punt around his own 40, went to the right sideline, which is straight down. I was looking down that north sideline, and he ran straight down that sideline for a touchdown, Chiefs won 24 to 10, but I felt like he was going to keep running through the back of the end zone, up the steps, and sit down next to me. And that's how much you felt a part of the team. And I have felt a part of the team, sometimes from a distance, sometimes up close, for, you know, 57 years. And, and that's so – I, I put in my introduction, this book, I wrote it for me. And I hope you guys enjoy it too, but I wrote it for me because it let me relive some of those memories. So with this franchise, I mean, usually when you, you get one in town, they're awful, they're no good. This team came to town and they, they were winners right away. Was the love affair with the Chiefs in the 1960s when they came to town right away, 
like it is now where this town just absolutely fell in love right from, from Jump Street with the Chiefs, or did it take some time? Um, now you're really stretching me. Um, like I said, I was five years old. Uh, remember the, their very last game as the Dallas Texans, they won the 1962 AFL championship. So people knew that they were getting a good team. They, mm -hmm. they may not have been an NFL caliber team, but they were the best that this league had to offer, and that's the opportunity that Kansas City had. They, they still had to do some marketing to get the attention, but uh, when my family moved away in 1969, I remember that the list for people to get on to get season tickets, the waiting list was longer than the list of people who held season tickets. So they could have more than doubled the capacity um, with that much interest. And, uh, you know, obviously the mid to late 70s and most of the 80s dissipated that interest. And I give, I give Carl Peterson and Marty Schottenheimer a lot of credit for bringing that back. Yeah, there's, there's no question. And I was going to kind of roll into that with you right now. And, you know, again, a lot of folks in their 20s have no idea that the 70s and 80s existed and Arrowhead was a ghost town yeah. at that point in time. And, and, and I always say the two most important hires in the history of Kansas City sports are Dayton Moore and Carl Peterson. And, and both of those guys turned around those franchises. And maybe yeah. somebody would argue, you know, Andy Reid or something right now. But without Carl Peterson – we may not have a franchise here to get Andy Reid. Where are you on the significance and importance of Carl Peterson? I think, I think you're right on, Bob, because without what, without what Carl Peterson did, Andy Reid wouldn't have come here. You know, there, we know that, that there were a lot of teams that were interested in, in Andy Reid when, when the Eagles made their, the wonderful decision to fire him. Um, and I tell in the book that, uh, he was at his farewell party with the Eagles and he got the call from Clark Hunt and <clears throat> Clark had one question for Andy and Andy had one question for Clark and Clark's question for Andy is, do you want to do this again? Andy said, yes. Andy's question for Clark and I'm paraphrasing, obviously Andy's question for Clark is why should I want to do it there? And, and Clark told him, we're going to change things and you're the guy for it. Um, so, but <clears throat> without, the level of fan interest that strictly goes back to uh, to Carl Peterson, I don't think Andy would have considered it. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. So, so that being said, who do you think had the harder job, like Jack Stedman and company bringing a new franchise to town or Carl Peterson recreating interest and rejuvenating a fan base in Kansas City? I, I would say Peterson because, um, yeah, you have, with, with Stedman and, with, and Lamar in the early days, they had to develop interest, but they did have a little bit of a track record saying, hey, we we know how to win games. If you want, want to follow a winner, you've got that here. And they just had to drop interest. But, Bob, you know I'm a big K-State fan. I think that I wrote a book a few years ago called The Greatest Turnaround in College Football History about Bill Snyder's first five years. And my premise was he didn't start from ground zero to build that program. He started from well below zero. And and really that's what, what – uh, Carl and obviously Marty with him had to do. They were, they were bad. They weren't starting from scratch. They were starting from, they had to dig out of a hole before they could get to scratch. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, and that's why I consider Carl the most important hire, you know, for the Chiefs and, and whatnot. Yeah. And then he brings in Marty. He brings in Derek Thomas. You bring in Joe Montana. You bring in Marcus Allen. And then, boom, yeah. 
as they say, the rest is history. They never were able to complete the deal and get to that Super Bowl and win that Lamar Hunt trophy for Lamar Hunt. But obviously we were able to do that. And as they say, the rest is now history. So that being said, and and looking at this franchise as a whole, what what do you think is the most kind of, I, I guess you could say, important story that people need to know about this franchise, whether it relates to an individual, whether it relates to the team as whole, what's the most important story that the Kansas City Chiefs have told over their 60-plus years now in existence? Man, I wish you'd sent me the questions ahead of time. I would have (laughs) had some time to prepare for that one. Um, I know it sounds really cliche, but I think even even in the worst of times, this town, or this team rather, reflected this area. The town, the Midwest, um, you know, the, the Chiefs Kingdom stretches several states. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's because, I don't want to say it's not all about winning, <coughs> excuse me, but it's more than about winning or about more than winning, whatever the better way to say that is. <clears throat> it's about taking care of your family. And, the, you know, the Chiefs are a family you hear. You know, I remember watching the 79 World Series and the Pittsburgh Pirates, go, you know, sing along to We Are Family and stuff like that. And they, they didn't get along at all. And that <laughs> yeah. was total, total ruse. But I really believe that, that this team from the top down, from uh, first from, from Lamar Hunt and then to Clark Hunt, operates as a family. Same way the Royals do with Dayton Moore saying, we're going to pay all our minor leaguers. You know, I, I think both of those teams reflect this community in this region uh, very well. And, and maybe that's the story, <clears throat> maybe that's the story um, of the whole franchise and why it's important. <clears throat> you know, in an email I sent to you, I, I, I wrote that I think getting to the Super Bowl was bigger this past year than winning the Super Bowl. Because first of all, and I didn't explain why, first of all, they got the Lamar Hunt trophy given to Lamar's son and wife. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> You know, it's almost like reaching the final four is bigger than winning the national championship. Yeah. Just ask a Missouri fan. Um, you know, getting know getting there yeah, getting there is a really big deal. And I I didn't choke up when I was writing about the seventy one AFL or the AFC champion or AFC playoff game on Christmas Day when I cried like a baby at twelve years old when that actually happened. Uh, but I got choked up as I was writing about the, the victory over the Titans in this year's AFC championship game, it, it moved me big time, even writing about it a couple of months later. What, why, why did that one move you more than, than anything else? Why do you think you had that kind of reaction to it? <clears throat> um, probably because I remember the first Super Bowl and I remember the fourth Super Bowl and I remember the 50 years in between that it was like, okay, we can get that monkey off our backs regardless of what happens in Miami. We're back. We've been back in the Super Bowl. Part of it, obviously is the confidence that with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes locked up at that point, we didn't know how long uh, Patrick would be locked up. I had confidence we could make it back even if we didn't win it this year, but I had seen so many times when we were, you know, that close and didn't make it that, okay, we're over that hump. I think that's why. 
Yeah, and obviously it was it was the first time for basically all of us to see it. I mean, fifty years is a long time since the last one. You're you're one of the fortunate who was able to see that. You know, one of the old guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of one of the old guys that could you know we could sit around your knee and you can tell the stories of that Super Bowl four <laughs> team. But what, what do you think was the biggest reason why they went fifty years without getting back to the Super Bowl? <clears throat> and this, this sounds so cliche, quarterback. I would I mean, have said the same thing. Okay. <clears throat> you know, Lenny was, Lenny was great, but Lenny was drafted in 1957. <clears throat> so, you know, in 1970, 69, 70, he was what, 30, 31 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and is that right? No, he was yeah. born in 30, 35. So he was 35 years old <clears throat> when they won the, when they won the Super Bowl, or just about to turn 35 years old. I think his, his birthday's in the, uh, early spring. Um, and so he was getting old and run through the list of quarterbacks they've had since then. And other than Joe Montana late in his career, and he got us to the AFC championship game. Right. Um, name one that is anywhere close to, um, to hall of fame caliber. I mean, Bill Kenny held the record for yards in a season from, you know, in 1983 until Patrick in 2018. And Bill Kenny was good, but he, you know, not not Hall of Fame. I was on a state radio station in St. Louis yesterday, and they said, "Why did it take so long?" And I said, <clears throat> "You know, the statistic that we like to we don't like to quote, but we often quote around here is the last quarterback the Chiefs drafted to win a regular season game for the Chiefs was Todd Blackledge, and he just finished up his 25th year in broadcasting. You know, that's a long time ago." And they just, if you don't have, if you don't have a, a really, really good quarterback, if not a great quarterback, your chances of winning are really, really slim. Yeah. So when, when you look back at this project and, and, and the book's going to be released right at the beginning of the regular season, I'm, I'm guessing, right? Right at the yes. beginning of September. When, when you look back at this project, did you, did you have a favorite story that you were able to take away from it and, and couldn't wait to write about it? Or <laughs> do, they all, do they all kind of resonate as awesome now because this team went on and won a championship? <clears throat> I think probably the latter, Bob. It's just, <clears throat> you know, I, you and I have known each other for a long time. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sports writer. I cover all these events, but I, I consider myself a fan who writes about sports rather than a sports writer who puts up with, the, with sports. And, and, you know, I still have that Chris Burford 88 jersey. It doesn't fit, but I still have it somewhere. And, and you know, I've got um, in, my, in my home office, I've got a poster, a two-foot by three-foot poster says hail to the chiefs 1970 super bowl champions you know it's a framed poster from 50 years ago you know and and i every t- time i sit at my desk in my home office i see that right next to my uh sports illustrated cover uh of salvi holding up the world series trophy so i'm a sports fan and so just reliving some of these things getting upset when i had to read about you know holding Pittsburgh to six field goals and not being able to win that game or, you know, not being able to force the Colts to punt or, I mean, you name it. Some of those things were really painful, but it, but it was so much fun to, to do it as a Chiefs fan. Um, it was, it was not work. It was a labor of love. So in all of those heartbreaking losses for those 50 years, which one was the one that got you the most? Oh, Christmas day, 1971. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we've got a great picture in there of, of, um, of Jim Lynch and Willie Lanier walking off the municipal stadium field with their heads down. And, you know, nobody knew it would be 15 years before they'd even see the playoffs and then get waxed by the jets. Um, but, and one of the things that I had forgotten was that was the very last game in municipal stadium history. Yeah. Um, and so that, that, yeah, there's no question that that game, um, just because people who were covering, um, the team on a regular basis. And I, I worked at the star in the early eighties and I talked to a lot of guys who were on the beat at that time. They believe hands down the 71 chiefs team was better than the 69 chiefs team. Yeah. A lot of people do say that. So as we move forward, are you going to have to kind of continue to rewrite this book based on what Patrick Mahomes is doing? Um, I'm, I might not do one every year, but yeah, if, if, if I find somebody that wants to, uh, wants to pay me to write, um, yeah, I would certainly be willing, you know, maybe in, at the end of this 12 year extension or whatever, um, maybe write about how many Super Bowls he's won in that, in his career. Uh, that would be fun. Where are people going to be able to find the book, David? Well, it'll be available like all books in the local bookstores. Um, but I would prefer they just get it from me. Um, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun to do this book, but if I get, if I make more money, it's more fun. That's right. Um, and my website, it's just simply davidsmailbooks.com. Um, you can get the book there. It's going to be the same price as it is in the stores. Um, anyone who orders before August 1st gets free shipping. And so there's incentive to, to get it before we're projecting still around September one release date. Um, but we've got, you know, I've got a list of people to, to send it to. Uh, and they can take advantage of the free shipping. Well, there you go. David, I appreciate the time. Thank you. My, my pleasure, Bob. This truly is an incredible book. It's a must-have for all Chiefs fans. Go to davidsmailbooks.com. That's davidsmailbooks.com. And order yours now. The Keys to the Kingdom, an illustrated timeline of the Kansas City Chiefs. And every Chiefs fan, no matter how big a Chiefs fan you are, you're going to learn something new about your favorite football. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.